This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, taking a look at all the business and market stories with Oanda senior market analysts from around the world. And today it is Jeff Halley in Singapore. Jeff, good morning from London. And good afternoon from Asia. Interesting set of figures from Friday's US non-farm payroll. We'll talk about that in a second or two. But the US government has, in the last few hours, issued emergency legislation after the largest fuel pipeline in the country was hit by a cyber attack. Has that had an effect on oil markets? It's actually only had a modest effect. So we've seen Brent crude and WTI rise about 0.8%, so about 60 cents a barrel in, in Asia. The real effect was in gasoline futures, which rose 2% this morning. They get higher uh, from their Friday close because the Colonial Pipeline carries refined petroleum products, at, you know, diesel, gasoline for cars, jet fuel. It supplies uh, a very large part of northeast US's uh uh, day-to-day fuel. So we're talking in New York, Boston, uh, all these heavy population centres. So it's not a problem with not having oil. It's The problem is actually moving that refined product up to the northeast of the United States. The Federal Reserve, I mean the Federal Reserve, the Federal State of uh, Emergency Declaration allows strategic reserves of these sorts of products uh, to be uh, released uh, up in the northeast. It also changes the rules on transporting petroleum products via road and allows a lot more trucks uh, to actually move along the roads as well to move stuff north. So uh, I I think how long it's going to last or what impact it will be will really depend on how long the cyber attack uh, takes to overcome. If we get into a situation where it's a week, two weeks, three weeks, uh, then we're going to start seeing some material Uh, impact on prices but for now I think the market's just uh, treating it quite cautiously and and moving prices up slightly. Okay I reflected with your US colleague Ed Moyer on Friday on those disappointing US jobs figures. Has there been a fallout in Asian markets because of those below expectations non-farm payroll numbers? Yeah, Ed was probably scratching his head rather than uh, reflecting, I think, and I, I was certainly ref- scratching my head quite vigorously most of the weekend trying to figure out what had happened. Look, what was interesting was that the market quickly moved past this as an anomaly, a one-off, and moved straight back into the buy-everything uh, global recovery trade. We saw iron ore and uh, steel rebar futures in China, for example, in Shanghai, open up 10% higher, so limit up uh, to start the day. Copper rose, I think, 2.5%. Now, those uh, steel futures have come back slightly, but still up about 6 to 7% on the day. Uh, we've seen gold rally again, uh, not as much as Friday, uh, but we've seen uh, also the US dollar stay on the back foot and equities rally across Asia. And this is really in line with... Um, uh, this is really in line with uh, the global recovery accelerating uh, through the end of Q2 and into Q3. But also it, it reflects the fact that the, such a poor non-farm payrolls suggests that the Federal Reserve's lower for longer is actually the more correct way to be looking at things. And we're not going to see any pressure on them to taper quantitative easing. Lower rates equals higher asset prices as well. And that's what we're seeing in the market. Okay, let's move across to this side of the world, Jeff. And sterling, a bit of a boost today. Is that something to do with the Scottish elections? 
Yes, very much so. Look, we saw sterling rise over 100 points to just below 1.40 to the to the US dollar on Friday because one of the fallouts from the non-farm payrolls was the US dollar got absolutely uh, crushed, uh, particularly against the major currencies. So it was bubbling under 140 anyway. The the uh, the Scotland the Scotland uh, election results are sort of inconclusive. They're not giving a strong majority to the Scottish National Party. Markets have interpreted that as meaning that there won't necessarily be an immediate call for another Scottish independence referendum. Quid pro quo, Sterling's rally today. So Sterling actually touched one over 141 this morning. It's still up uh, 80 points on the day, around 140.70. From a technical perspective, uh, to digress for a moment, the 140 was a very major resistance zone uh, for sterling and uh, in my own personal opinion uh, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks that a close above 140 will be a signal that sterling is going to head up to the 144 region versus the dollar and it's going to strengthen against the euro as well and that seems to be what's going to come into play here. Very interesting because if you consider where sterling was pre the Boris Johnson election victory in 2019 throughout that Brexit period uh, with Theresa May and it was very much in the doldrums and if you were saying at that point well don't worry within a year or so we'll be back to 140 and beyond many people would have doubted that it just shows you how things have changed. Yeah, I mean, I always felt that Britain had a very strong opportunity to find its mojo after after Brexit and, and thought that sterling wouldn't stay at those artificially low, low levels. But yeah, hindsight, we're all 100% correct geniuses. And uh, it certainly has been a, a strong rally since uh, that, that Brexit side of things was resolved, depending on what your point of view on resolved means. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, better times ahead lie for the currency. And I expect that the Bank of England will be one of the first major central banks to start tapering quantitative easing as well. Uh, the data for the rest of the year looks like it's going to be excellent for the UK. Uh, pandemic... Uh, pandemic aside. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think with the Bank of England potentially tapering, hovering over sterling, improved economic data, we should see the currency continue moving on, perhaps towards 1.50 over the next month. And of course, sterling not just up because of increased confidence post-Brexit, but very much down to the vaccination programme. And we're going to have further measure relaxations uh, announced today by the Prime Minister and we can get back in the pub next Monday. Oh, I'm so jealous. It's been a long time since I've been to the pub. You're teasing me here. <laughs> Before we talk about what's to come in the rest of the week, in our podcast on Friday, your colleague Ed Moyer mentioned the upcoming appearance of Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live where he was expected to talk about cryptocurrencies and in particular Dogecoin. Did that actually happen in the end? Well, Dogecoin ended up having a, a very emotional ride, to be honest. It was uh, something quite spectacular uh, to behold. So what we saw uh, was that uh, in one of his sketches, he mentioned that Dogecoin was a hustle and Dogecoin actually fell 40% over the weekend, uh, having risen, I think, about 10 or 15% on some tweet he made on, on Friday. Uh, it's down another five. It did actually recover. It was still, I think, down about fifteen to twenty percent. It's down five percent in Asian trading today as well. Uh, to me, th this exemplifies the mania around many corners of the financial markets at the moment, and also in these alternative uh, coins, these cryptocurrencies. I mean, 
I am empathetic. I am sympathetic that someone bought Dogecoin in good faith and lost 40% in 24 hours uh, because Elon Musk is making trivial and jovial comments about it on various uh, you know, media mediums, shall we, shall we call it. But also, I think it's plainly ridiculous that a, uh, a something that is, I think, had a market capitalization of 80 billion US dollars as of Friday moves 40% on a comedy show on a Saturday night. Endemic of the crazy mania that we're seeing in so many corners of the financial market. But I think what it really should emphasize to uh, our listeners is that cryptocurrencies, tradable assets, they're not investable assets. So if you want to have a flutter, by all means, knock yourself out. But putting it in your pension fund, I think we're a long way from that stage yet. Sounds like very wise advice, although I would expect Dogecoin to return to the pre- uh, Saturday night levels. Let's preview the week ahead. What are the standouts for you that we should be looking out for? Well, really, after the frenzy of last week with the, the data calendar we had there, everything else was going to be a little disappointing after that. So uh, it's uh, it's a bit more uh, less weighty this week, shall we say. We have uh, inflation data out of China tomorrow and the US later in the week. We have UK GDP and inflation data as well. Uh, additionally, we have an uh, ECB policy meeting, but it's actually not uh, an official policy meeting, so there won't be any changes to the programs, etc. I'm not expecting any fireworks out of that. So with a thinner data calendar of tier one data, uh, I, I believe that the market's really going to move to the nuances uh, of this global recovery trade. Now, today we're seeing it in a full cry. The dollar's down, currencies are up, stocks are up. Commodities are up, precious metals are up, and gold uh, oil is up. The buy everything trade, as uh, as you alluded to before. Now these sorts of uh, markets tend to ebb and flow, so they tend to be also very headline driven. I do believe, though, that um, all of these uh, these uh, assets, these financial market uh, products, will be um, will be buy on dip this week because I do believe there's a real momentum at the moment to that global recovery trade. But I think we're in for a bit of a choppy uh, week's trading ahead. But I think by the end of the week, we'll probably see the US dollar weaker again, equities higher and commodities higher. Excellent stuff, Jeff. Thanks for joining us this morning. And we look forward to speaking to you again on Wednesday. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. The Oanda Podcast.